Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. But today, as we get into this series, um, I just want to start out by praying a a prayer. And it's a pretty famous prayer. And um, I don't know if we pray this prayer enough but I just think it's the right thing to do today. So why don't you close your eyes with me, maybe lift your hands wherever you are as, as we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Doesn't that just feel good today uh, to pray the way Jesus prayed and to ask for the things that he was asking for? I'm just praying that as we are at a critical time in our world and there's a lot of uncertainties around, even something is you know, I'm saying opening church in a couple of weeks. All these things are not super simple. Some of them are very complicated. And a lot of people fall in different spectrums in terms of the way you feel about things. And all that is understandable. It's really important for us to remember though that as Christians, uh, we're to keep our attention and our focus on the things that do bring us together. And that the main thing that brings us together, uh, the the person who said whosoever will, That means anybody. That means no matter where you're from, no matter what you look like, as long as you're a whosoever, we have some commonality in Jesus. And we want Jesus to be the most unifying thing about our lives as Christians, the thing that draws all people. He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people. I'll draw all people to you. So let's lift up the name of Jesus and believe that the name of Jesus has a power to unify that nothing else in this world nothing else in this world can compare to. And that's my greatest hope today. So I welcome you today. Uh, Thanks for jumping in with us. Um, My text today is going to be found, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And it says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. I'm not going to tell you my title yet. I normally tell you my title. I'm going to save it for a second, but I am going to pray for the message. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the journey that we've been on uh, as believers, as a church. Since March, uh, learning how to do church in a different kind of way, uh, really digging deep into our heart and soul, trying to figure out what it means to be the church and to be involved in people's lives without being too involved and, um, you know, worrying about are we involved enough and all those details of things and, and Christians trying to figure out how to connect with other Christians and to have godly fellowship and all the things that we've been struggling with. We just pray in Jesus' name. I prayed that prayer earlier, Lord, so that we, our heart would be toward heaven, Lord, and your will would be done in everything, the things even we don't understand give those things to you today. We pray for healing in our church. We've got some elders in the church who are dealing with losses of family members who 
lost loved ones as recently as this weekend, uh, even people that are very close to us, Lord, that have virus and uh, just all kinds of miracles that are needed. And we just give those things to you. All the things we don't understand, we give to you today in Jesus' name. And we trust you, Lord. I pray a blessing on this message today that you energize it, be an encouragement to everyone watching in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So, hey, I ain't got to do this in a while, but how's everybody feeling today? Yeah, this is great, man. This is pretty exciting. Get to hang out with some friends today and get to hang out with some friends online. That's, that's great. We've got the best of both worlds. Well, hey, our series on game shows that we're going to do, uh, pretty, pretty basic concept. We're taking a look at some of the most fantastic game shows. I, I'm, I might be corny, but I love game shows. I grew up, my family, when it was dinner time, Mom would cook dinner, and we'd put on a game show, and, and we'd watch it, just have fun, and you're always shouting out answers, and you're wanting to be right, and uh, it made me want to learn things, and it made me want to be on a game show. I've never been on a game show. I was a little bit jealous of, uh, I thought Hannah and Juan did a great job on the game show. It was kind of fun to be on a game show, the, um, the, the thought of it. But did you know that Amy, my wife, when she was a little girl, was on the show Let's Make a Deal? In the early 80s, she was on the show, Let's Make It Do. She dressed up like a bunny rabbit and went on the show, and she won a lifetime supply of Mars candy bars that went out of business. And that's, that's so I get zero. But why couldn't it have been peanut M&Ms, babe? I don't understand. What's up? Why couldn't it have been Oreos? You had to win Mars. Okay, I got you. I understand. That's pretty cute, though, and, and uh, it's, it's just funny that that show, we've, you know, gone back and tried to watch the reruns to see if we can catch the clip. Haven't found it yet. I know it's out there. But the fun of a game show is the thought of being able to, to, to use your knowledge or your skill set, whatever that skill set may be, if it's, if it's trivia or if it's avoiding whammies. Uh, or just general, you know, estimating the price of retail items, whatever that is, thinking that it could be better than the next person, you could actually win money from that. It seems like a fun idea. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm pretty good at games. I love games. I love competing. I have used some poor attitudes before while competing. I'll just admit that I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect in this area. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, But in the process of competing and uh, feeling like I'm good at certain things. If I ever want to humble myself, there's one show that I will watch. That show is Jeopardy. <laughs> the people on Jeopardy, I just wonder what other life they have other than remembering these things. It's like, what are you, how do you know all of that? They know everything. There's no, they, I mean, and it's like they know every Bible. They know more of the Bible than I do. I have a PhD in theology. It's like they know the, every Bible detail. They know every insect. They know, it, it, just, their, their knowledge is beyond comprehension. And the game of Jeopardy is a pretty simple concept, but it's, it's fun. It's a fun idea. The idea, conceptually, it's simple, but most great ideas are pretty simple. When you narrow them down, but what it is, it says, what if we give people the answers? What if we give people the answers and the correct way for them to win is to ask us the question? 
And I love that idea. And you got, you know, your basic Jeopardy round, then you go to double Jeopardy, and then you got uh, audio and video daily doubles, and you can risk certain amounts of money to double it. Then you got final Jeopardy, the last question at the end, where now you're sort of wagering against how many, how much, you know, you think your opponent's going to wager, and do you really know the answer? And it's, it's just a fun game. I think that's why it's been around for over 50 years. And at the end of the day, uh, you have to word the question properly in order to get credit and get points. You have to ask the question. They've given the answer, but the format in Jeopardy is that you have to ask the right question. So here might be an example if you've never watched Jeopardy before, or maybe you weren't paying attention earlier during the thing that we were doing with Alejandro Trebek. Uh, <laughs> that was really funny, by the way. Uh, there are categories, and within the categories, there are answers. And obviously, like I said, you got to get the right question. So, for instance, the category might be pets. And you would say, I'll take pets for 500, Alex. And he says, you know, for instance, like, it's a domesticated animal loved by intelligent people, uh, sometimes referred to as canine and far superior to its inferior counterpart, cats. <laughs> and then a person would say, boop, 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 boop. And he'd say, yes, Jeff, what is it? And I'd say, what is dog? And he would say, yes, you're correct. That is the co correct question. And it's a game where the goal is to ask the right question. So the reason I keep driving that home is I wonder in life, if we are asking the right questions, we ask a lot of questions. And there's a lot of things that we obsess over in this life and sort of make it our mission, uh, whether it's through our relationships, the people that we encounter, or our public persona, or our social media, or whatever it is that we're, that's sort of driving our personality to the public or to the people that we encounter. We're asking some kind of questions with our lives. And I wonder if those are the right questions, because we have the propensity to ask meaningful questions, but we also have the propensity to ask meaningless questions that don't really have any long-term consequential effect on where we're going in life. Sometimes we get hung up on the wrong questions. I think it's important to say, does this color look good on me? But I don't think it's more important than, you know, where am I going to sleep tonight? I think that some questions have to be answered before other questions. Like, for instance, just in some research, I was looking up the top questions that are asked to Google. So Google is sort of this, this you know, thing. And, and you, isn't it weird that there used to be a time in this world that if you wanted to know a, an answer to a question about like an actor from years ago, you had to call my Uncle Michael. <laughs> He's the only person in the world. You would say to yourself, who is, who is that guy that was in that movie in, you know, with Clint Eastwood? And he would tell you the answer. He's the only person. There was no Google. You needed Uncle Michael. Or, you know, a library or something. You had to go find these, these answers. But we live in a world where you can actually type a question into a box and kind of get answers. It's really weird. But when you look at the top questions 
asked in the world. I, I mean, and when I went to, you know, you ever kind of get an idea, you go, man, I'm on to something. I am going to research this, and it is going to say, you know, the first question asked is going to be, what is my purpose in life? Like, I, I, I just knew that I was going to find sort of like confirmation bias. Like, I had already come to this conclusion that, that the data was going to support my deep belief already. But when I started looking at the actual questions that people type in, I was very disappointed. Number one in the world, are you ready for it? What is my IP address? <laughs> Isn't that deflating? It's like, there's nothing interesting about that. What is my IP address? Okay, you ready for number two? This is the second biggest question in the world with humans. This is the second biggest questions in the answer machine that you can type a question and get an answer from this special machine that formulates all of the knowledge in the world, puts them together and gives you the answers. Here's the second question. After what is my IP address? Question number two, you ready? What time is it? They've had watches for hundreds of years. Yeah, Amy made a great point. There's a clock on the computer that you type that in. On the phone that you type that in. What time is it? Okay, here's another big one. And this is the way it's worded too. How to register to vote. This is the way it's written. How to register to vote. Okay, here's another one. This is, this is ready for the fourth one? What song is this? Okay, what song is this? And then the fifth one, which gives me great confidence in our education system, how many ounces in a pound? <laughs> top, top questions in the world. Is it possible, let me just kind of use the concept of Jeopardy today. Uh, is it possible that we might be asking the wrong questions? Is it possible that when we have the ability to ask meaningful questions, that sometimes we get hung up, we have this great big God that has given us a book full of the answers? Is it possible that with all the answers, and can I just tell you something real quick? You ever notice that the answers in themselves really don't mean that much sometimes if you don't have the right questions? Someone could give you the answers for a test, but without the context of the questions for that te test, they wouldn't make any sense to you. So asking the right questions is very, very important. Please stay with me here today because I, I think there's something very powerful about what we're talking about. What questions have you been asking in your life? What questions have, have been driving you toward your career? What questions have been driving you toward your relationships? What questions have been driving you toward your job? Because we have to be asking the right questions. How about before we, you know, think to ourselves, what is my IP address? Or, you know, what career makes the most money? Or how can I meet that perfect special someone? These are all questions that we have to answer at some point. We've got to come to some kind of conclusion. What if we started with a question like this? Why am I here? Isn't that, a, isn't that a foundational question that human beings need to answer for themselves? Why am I here? 
And the very fact that we start that question with the word why lets us know that there's something in us that is different than every other creature that exists. I have the cutest dog in the world. Her name is Bama. She is adorable. She is so good. She plays with our family. She's always fun, likes to, you know, she's affectionate, all that stuff. And I love my dog. I think it's probably one of my favorite dogs I've ever had. Uh, But at no time, as smart as I think Bama is, at no time have I ever thought that Bama sits there looking at me thinking, why am I here? There's nothing about Bama. She just wants to know, what can I lick? When do I eat? When can I drink? When can I play? Who is going to pet me now? I mean, she might be thinking things like that, but she's not thinking existential questions like, why am I here? So the very fact that we would ask a question like, why, should give us a clue that there's something in us. There's something innate about human beings that is special, that differentiates us from every other creature in the universe. And I think without getting too technical, uh, I don't want to be too technical today. I hope today is inspiring to you. Um, But I think that this kind of logic is important for us if we've been worried about other questions and spending our time trying to figure out things that really don't benefit us long term, and we're willing to back up for a second and say, well, what if I focused on the most important questions? Let's look at an idea like the Kalam cosmological argument. Don't check out just because I said that. But, so, the, so the Kalam cosmological argument is an idea that, that looks like this. It's a basic idea that can point people toward the existence of God. Okay, so here's the idea. The idea that Anything that comes into existence has a cause. I think that that's a pretty scientific idea, that if something begins to exist, it has a cause. I have never just got into my car and just all of a sudden there's Oreos in my car. This just never, ever happened before. They didn't, and if, they, if it did, then someone put them there. At no time did I ever think to myself, they just appeared. They just came out of nowhere. So the basic idea is that if something begins to exist, that's reasonable, right? That if anything that begins to exist has a cause, it's not possible for nothing to produce something. Can, Can we agree with that? It's not possible. You have no reason whatsoever to believe that if you walked in a a chamber that was had a vacuum and had nothing in it, and it was perfectly protected, there's no reason to believe that in five years, a hundred years, a million years, a billion years, a trillion years, if you could preserve that chamber, there's nothing in our minds that would ever believe that anything could be produced from nothing much less everything produced from nothing. So without being too, you know, confrontational about opposing views, I'm trying to say that this question, we can get to this question from some basic logic, and and the logic of this argument says if something exists and it it begins to exist, it has a cause. So here's the, the next part of it. 
Okay, the next premise is that the universe began to exist. Okay, so we know that no matter what your viewpoint is. No matter if your viewpoint is that God caused it or it caused itself, you still must admit that the universe began to exist. So if we go back to the first premise and say that everything that begins to exist and has a, that it has a cause. Well, if we get to the second one and say that the universe began to exist, then we have to come to the final premise, which is the universe has a cause. Okay? And if we can admit that the universe has a cause, then it has to be caused by something that is outside of space, that is outside of time, that is immaterial, and that is, in fact, personal. There's a lot of different, I mean, we could go into this way further. I'm just trying to touch on a general idea to show you that using basic logic, this is one of the reasons that we ask why. We know there's purpose. We know there's meaning. We crave to know why. When, when things happen to us that we don't understand, that's the question that we type in the Google of our heart. Why? Why did this happen? We want to know answers to things that we don't understand. Well, if whatever created the universe is uncaused, eternal, changeless, timeless, and immaterial, I would just say to you, using that line of reasoning, the only thing that fits those categories is the Bible's definition of God. And it's, it's not just plausible that God exists. It's, it's something that you can arrive at, not even just simply through faith, but logic can lead you to a point of faith. And when you start thinking about meaning, it moves to a completely different level. So look at this, Isaiah 43 and 7. God says this, he says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The Bible tells us that we were created for the glory of God. Why don't you say that with me right now? Say, I was created for the glory of God. Come on, one more time. Say, I was created for the glory of God. Man, what, a, what an answer that is. What an answer that is. I was created for the glory of God. Let's dig into that a little more. To make the glory of God known. If I was created for the glory of God, then that must mean that I was created so, so that whoever meets me would see his glory in me and would be pointed toward him through me. That when people see my life, see the favor and the blessing and the love that is in my life, that it would point to Jesus. That it would point to God. And Jesus is God's plan of salvation. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, as the Bible tells us. So when you're asking that question of why am I here? Philippians 1.20, Paul says this. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. That word exalted is megaluno, the Greek word megaluno. You know what it means? 
He says, my goal is whether through life or death that Christ would be magnified in my life. He literally means the point of my life. We're wondering all these things in life. You know, what area has the cheapest uh, houses and the most income? How do I, how do I, you know, find my life's purpose? How do I do, and all these different things that we ask, you know, um, you know, what's the best hairstyle for my face shape? You know, whatever. Got all these questions. But, but are, are we asking the most important questions? And, and this, this idea here that Paul is saying, he's saying, my goal is to magnify. Now, let's think about that word for a second. That megaluno word, that Greek word magnify. He's saying, my purpose is whether in life or death to magnify God. Two different ideas about magnification. That my purpose in life is to magnify God. So is it magnifying in the sense of a microscope? Where my life's purpose is to examine God, something that is very small, and to make it appear larger than it is? Is that my goal? Because that, that is a type of magnification through a microscope, to magnify something that is small? Or is my goal that... God is so massive and so huge, we're able to observe galaxies and planets that are millions of times bigger than our own planet. And through powerful telescopes, which are also magnification, we can look at something that is so massive that we cannot comprehend it. And we are so far away that we are able to magnify. See, I believe that's the kind of magnification Paul is talking about. I believe our lives are supposed to be like a telescope that we are able to, to say, hey, take a look at this. You're not going to believe this. And when people see us and they experience being around us as Christians, that we're able to be like a telescope that magnifies the glory of God. The Bible says we're created for, hold on, here's the tough part. It says there that we're created for his glory. He said, whom I created for my glory. Now see, that's the hard part. So we ask that question, well, why am I here? Well, we want the answer to always point back to us. But sometimes we might not like the answer. That God created us for his pleasure and his glory. And we have a purpose and a plan that is in him. He says, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. He made plans for us before we made any plans for ourselves. So are we connected with the plan of God for our life? So I kind of have two ideas here today. The first one is this. The first one is, Alex, I'll take most important questions for $1,000. And here's the answer. To magnify God and to make his glory known. That's the answer. To magnify God and to make his glory known. Boop, boop, boop. What is, why am I here? What is, why am I here? That's why I'm here. That's why, if, if we've ever wondered, why am I here? That's really the answer, to magnify God and to make his glory known. You know what that means? In everything you do. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job and go to Bible school. No, as a matter of fact, it's really the opposite. The, it, 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 it's really more that whatever realm that you're in, whatever arena that you're in, God wants to make his glory known in that arena. 
He wants to show his goodness and his favor to the people that you live. You don't have to move. You know, you don't have to go to a different country. You don't have to, you don't have to do any of the things. You don't have to earn what we're talking about. We're saying that God made plans for you. He made plans for your life to be a blessing to others and to make his glory known. And the difference is just understanding that that's what our purpose is. And what we do is so powerful. Okay, then the second idea here uh, in, in the next few minutes on the concept of jeopardy is uh, Acts 16. This is a really intense story. And, and actually the way I don't think I'm going to have time to really explain the intensity um, of what's happening because Paul and Silas are in jail and they start praising God and singing in jail. And there's an actual earthquake that takes place. God causes an earthquake to free them from the jail through their praise and, and their worship. And it says this, it says, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, I don't think that we really, uh, I've taught this so many times before, I don't know if I've ever really dug into how dark that is. He was totally suicidal. This guy is about to kill himself because he knows that he is, he is going to be blamed for the escape of these prisoners that was brought on by God. So he is not in some, you know, jolly kind of mood here. He is at, he is at his very end. And, and Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling. He's having a nervous breakdown before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, sirs, want another good question? What must I do to be saved? So a person who is at has lost all hope, a person who has lost every, every answer that has ever given them comfort in life, who is literally about to give up on life itself, this is the question that he asks. What must I do to be saved? Because clearly he knows that he's not saved. He knows that his life is in jeopardy. He knows that his life is in peril. And what is jeopardy in this situation? It's really the threat of losing something, the potential of losing everything. A lot of the questions we had in our Jeopardy game, if you'll notice, when you go back and watch them again, they're, they're about the threat of losing things or something that's dangerous or that puts you or someone in jeopardy. And here, this man whose life is falling apart, he's ready to give up on everything. He says, what must I do to be saved? And here's their response in his darkest moment. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus. <laughs> believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Wow. He didn't really say any more than that. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household, and you will be saved. So that's, that's really important for us to, to understand that not only do we need to know why we're here, we need to understand how to connect with that purpose of why. These are paramount questions. I mean, we watch some kind of survival show 
my family and I through the quarantine and it was a show where people were dropped off and it's not like naked and afraid or something. It's some show like where they drop you off in this totally, what? oh, it's called alone, yeah. They drop you off in these totally remote areas. And I mean, you have nothing and you gotta figure out how to survive. And nobody gets in that situation and says, okay, what are my cutest pajamas? No one does that. They go, where's the water? What am I gonna eat? How am I gonna have shelter? They go for the most important questions first. Once you have those things established, you can move on to some other things. And I, I'm, I'm worried that maybe we haven't asked, why am I here enough? Maybe we haven't asked, what must I do to be saved? Because maybe our source of salvation to us has been something that we can hold on to. But I will tell you this, if, if your source of salvation is anything other, other than Jesus, you will come to a point where that thing fails you. If money is your source of salvation, you'll come to a point where it can't save you. Money can't save you from a disease that there's no cure for. Fame can't save you from a broken marriage. Only Jesus can save, ultimately. Romans 10, 9 goes on to explain Paul's answer in, in a little more depth. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So that's a little bit of a deeper answer. The answer he gave the man is just believe. But this says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So I think what it's saying is that when you believe, it leads to a life that produces fruit, as we're talking about in our other series. You begin to speak it, you begin to believe it, you begin to live it in your life. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Everyone always says, the truth will set you free. Well, read the whole scripture. It says, actually, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Then you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So how does that relate to what we're talking about? What it means is that if we want to be saved, we have to believe, we have to confess it, we have to continue following after Jesus so we can know his ways. Then we'll live that life of freedom that leads to our salvation. So in closing, here's the answer. Put my faith in Jesus as the only source of my salvation. Put my, here's the answer for, for 5,000, Alex. Here's the answer. Put my faith in Jesus as the only source of salvation. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Yes. And what is the question? The question is, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do to be saved? And I think those are really important questions today. I just had two. Why am I here? What must I do to be saved? I think we get off track with our questions. You know, my text was Matthew 7, 7. God's not intimidated by questions. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You can ask tough questions. You can wrestle with your faith. You can have 
difficulties arriving at conclusions. And you know what? I believe that you'll continue to grow throughout your walk with Jesus. That's why Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I believe God is continually giving us truth, continually giving us freedom. I believe that it is a process of continuing to follow him, continuing in his word. So I just tell you today, maybe you've been hung up on the wrong questions. Let's start with the most primary questions today, the most important questions, and let's build our lives from there. If you've been in the wrong questions, just admit it today to your heart, to your soul. Say, God, I need to, I need to kind of backtrack. I need to start over. Say, why am I here? And what's the answer to that? To make the glory of God known. You're here for his glory so that other people can see hope in you. I actually wrote a book about this. <laughs> As you get to the end of of Jesus first, Jesus always, when you start seeing all the things about touching the icon, I'll just encourage you, if you haven't read it, read it. Because the idea is what we're talking about right now. The reason that we exist, the reason we're put on this earth is to make the glory of God known to others, to make the hope of Jesus known. And then, you know, what must I do to be saved? That's another important question. Maybe you've been living your life like you don't need to be saved. Well, I promise you, If you get to a point, I don't want you to get to a point where you run into something, where your source of salvation can't help you in that moment, you will realize like this man realized in Acts, that it's over. And you'll ask that question to yourself, what can save me? But I hope it's not too late in that moment. So why not in this moment, ask the Lord to be your savior? Why not in this moment acknowledge that there's a loving God that created you with intentionality as part of his purpose. What a beautiful purpose to make his glory known. That means he's got intentionality for you and everything you do, all the gifts he gave you, all the talent that he gave you, all the things that he put inside your heart that you don't understand, he put them there for a reason. And as hard as it is for us to grasp this with our flaws and our insufficiencies, to believe that God could have put those things there, ultimately for his glory. Paul even says, I glory in my weaknesses because when I'm weak, he's strong. It even means that our weaknesses, the things that make us stumble are put there to point to his glory. There is literally nothing that he did not know in advance about you. He knew every failure. He knew every struggle. He knew every difficulty that you would have. And yet he still chose to create you on purpose for his glory. Today, I hope you believe that. I hope that stirs something up in your heart, that there is so much more for you. And I would just say, let's start asking the right questions. I'm really not gonna do a follow-up on this message. I'm just gonna hope that you grab this and you run with it and just say, man, I wonder if I, and and, you know, ask yourself, "Am am I asking the right questions in life? Figure out what those things are. Continue to be discipled, to move forward in the things of God. Join our Wednesday night, or excuse me, Thursday night Bible study. Uh, move further in discipleship. Take our growth track classes. Begin to have relationships with other people that love Jesus. Look, look for mentors in your life, people that can encourage you and build you up in your faith. Start asking the right questions. I promise you, you've got a God that has already given you the answers. Amen. Love you so much. I want to pray with you right now. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand where you are. I'm going to ask you in those chat rooms that you're in to type right now, I need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior 
type it right now. I think we have a button at cityoflife.live that says raise my hand. Please click that button if that's you. We've got moderators and team members that are there for you to pray with you, pray for you, and help lead you in the next steps uh, to, to knowing Jesus. So please do that today. Take that risk. You say, well, well, I did that when I was a kid. Well, I'm asking you to do it right now, now that it means something to you. You've thought about it. Make that decision to step out for Jesus today. And if that's you, I'm gonna pray with you right now for every person that raised their hand. I'm gonna ask you to repeat this with me out loud. Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you, Lord. I thank you that you died for my sins and rose again so I could have victory in my life. Help me to ask the right questions. I know that I'm here to make your glory known. And I know that you are the source of my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.